Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars. I'm Dirk Ashton, <clears throat> film professor and author of the Paternus Trilogy. I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of Smoke and Stone and some other stuff and things. I'm Rob J. Hayes, author of uh, the War Eternal series and Never Die. We'll go with that one. And today we are joined by a very special guest, our first guest for the podcast, RJ Barker. RJ, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, I'm RJ Barker. I'm the author of the Wounded Kingdom trilogy, which are Age of Assassins, Blood of Assassins, and King of Assassins. And my latest book is The Bone Ships, which is about ships made of bone. There's a clue in the title. <laughs> and today's episode is, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. This is pretty exciting for us. Um, We'll see how we go. Yeah, we'll see how we go coordinating five people in this uh, Zoom chat that we're recording in. But fingers crossed. It's all your job. So if it goes wrong, it's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I will uh, edit that out so that it looks like you're talking to Michael instead of me. And without further ado, (laughs) which I can't really do an audio, but uh, yeah, something to something to try. Today's episode is all about tense and point of view. So. Essentially, the kind of perspective that we're telling our stories from uh, and the sort of, yeah, chronology that we are describing things in. So I think it could be really useful to start off with a quick definition of some of these things. RJ, would you like to just define the different tenses and uh, point of views that are available to authors? <laughs> uh, you do know I didn't go to school, don't you? Um, <laughs> there's first person which is from the point of view of the character second person which is um complicated and <laughs> third person where you're following the character around like that they went over there and 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 first person is i and second person just confuses me every time i've ever looked at it um, <laughs> it's a, like grandmother's and, and, second cousin's former roommate 
telling yeah. a story. It, it, it's, yeah. it's like somebody in the character's head, but not the character, isn't it, sort of thing? So they're sort of like yeah. saying, you did this, you did yes. that. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it sends me a bit potty when I try and read it. Because I, I, I just sit there thinking, but I didn't. <laughs> when the reader's author's like, oh, you walk down the yeah. corridor and you're like, nope, that didn't, no. didn't do it. Yeah. No, I don't walk anywhere. I'm very lazy. <laughs> Would you find yourself accidentally doing the things that it's describing that you're doing? It's sort of like, you know, you turned left and you're like, oh, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> I am quite suggestible sometimes. If I was tired and I was reading a murder mystery, that could be really bad. <laughs> my, my personal favourite... Uh, it is always first person. That that is that is what I love. That is, that is my my great joy to read. Is is yeah. First, first person is when it's like I did this. I went there. She mm. walked into my office. Yeah, uh, that kind so, of sort of classic hard boiled fiction and stuff. Why do you like that you uh, really particular in a character point head. of view? I think because I, I one of the great joys for me in a book is when I you have that sort of dislocation you're reading it and because that you're hearing someone's mental narrative and we all have a, a mental narrative I, I have one that's definitely quite odd um and and there's that sort of you can't quite click with it because it's not your mental narrative and you know they've got the character then because you, you're not just reading it as you you're having to and then suddenly it's like bang and you're somebody else and, and you're just experiencing someone else's life and i, I love that I, I love that and i don't think I experience any other form of storytelling in, in quite the same way. The further back you get from a character for me, the, the less involved I am with the story. Like I'm writers like Brandon Sanderson who write in the third and it's quite removed. Um, and the text is, is, it's like, it's not a barrier between you and what's going on. It's purely storytelling. That, that doesn't really work for me at all. Where I like very inflected narrative that, that forces you to, to experience that with the character. That sounded quite, quite clever. I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, yeah, no. That's, uh, should just end the episode there on that high note, but uh, we're gonna continue beating this dead horse. So Rob, you have used both, uh, <laughs> maybe that's what the subtitle for our show could be. Wizards, Warriors and Words, Beating a Dead Horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you have used both first person and third person styles in your writing. Um, how do you decide which one is appropriate for the kind of story you're telling? And what have you found as like sort of the differences in your experience with those different styles? Uh, I, I must admit, I can't, it, it's not a sort of conscious decision that I make where I'm like, I'm going to write this one in first mm -hmm. or third. Uh, I mean, I've written two, two stories. Uh, in the first person now. One was my little sci-fi book, which nobody's ever heard of. Uh, and the other one is uh, the War Eternal series. And I think yes. I just wrote that in first person because um, I just, I wrote the first, the, the prologue, the first chapter, and it was just from the point of view of this, this um, young woman who's seeing the end of the war. And it just felt right, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, being an a organic writer, it's like, yeah. It just felt the right thing to do and then took it on from from there whereas most of the time i do write in third person because it's easier hmm. you certainly do have less <laughs> of the uh yeah. you have less of the i suppose repetitiveness of saying i all the time i find in third person um 
for me personally, that can be one thing where if I am reading a first person thing, it can be repetitive to just be like, I, 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 but good writers, of course, can, you know, get around that with different sentence construction. Dirk, will you how, how, how do they do that? Uh, me did this. They just be good. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Mike wins. <laughs> Dirk, you were about to say something? Oh, uh, no, I just basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut up then, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing about first person is it allows you to really uh, get inside of a person, the character's head, and, you know, they, they can use or you, you can use their thoughts on what's going on around them and the other characters to really influence the reader. Um, which I find fun. You can lie to your reader, which is yeah. a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. You can do the old unreliable narrator bit, which mm-hmm. is always a lot of fun. I, I always find, when, when I'm writing the Bone Ships, which is in third person, um, I found that if I was writing and I got tired, it'd just slip into first person. Because that's that's how I how I want to write all the time. Because I find it much easier, um, mm-hmm. and I'm really lazy. Pretty 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 impressive output. Yeah, I don't I don't think I do. I think I think I'm I write a lot less than a lot of people. I'm just lucky that what I write touch wood tends to be quite close to what gets published in the end. Yeah, there are no big edits. I think that's what makes me reasonably quick. But that—that's one day that's going to trip me up because my editor's just going to come back and go, "This is terrible. Rewrite it all." And I'm just going, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what about you? What's your kind of stance on uh, first versus third person? Uh, okay, so. If- I like personally. I like to write in a really tight third, uh, still right in the character's head, but definitely third. First person, I actually find difficult. I have to really put effort into it. Um, I read Brian Staveley's Skull Sworn, and it's in first, and it was so fucking good that I was like, I gotta do it. So I wrote a book in first. It was really hard. It was really, really freaking fun. difficult. Brian is a liar. He was like, Oh, it's easy. Just go and do it. <laughs> um, I found uh, the, for me, the uh, big difficulty was I kept sliding into this sort of like a semi-passive voice uh, and sort of um, had a tendency to show, uh, sorry, to tell instead of show uh, because it was the, because there's that first person narrative telling the story, it just sort of became really easy for, to let him tell the fucking story. But it's like, yeah, that sort of, there was a, created a separation for me uh, between the story and the reader. So catching that and fixing it, that, that took a lot of effort. So that's interesting. You're saying that when it was in first person, you actually found that it kind of separated you from the story more than third person. Yeah. I mean, and, but that was uh, because I was writing it badly. I see. That wasn't <laughs> a flaw in the, in the tense. That was a flaw in the writer. And I think that's what is really important with this is like, it is about finding something that is good for your natural style. And, you know, yeah. everything has its sort of pros and cons. RJ? I, t- I chose to write the bone ships in. It's very close to the person, like Mike said, because no, I chose the person because it, it was harder for me and I wanted to push myself a bit more. And, and I regret that now because it's been really hard. <laughs> but, 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 yeah. And I think it's, 
It's all to do with your own influence, isn't it? Because uh, my influence is a, there's a lot of crime writing in, in my influence. And the first person is, is very much the way of doing a lot of that. So that, that's why it seems easy. But uh, the assassin books, I, I literally flew through because that, that voice was so natural to me. It was just in my head. I wrote the first one in six weeks. It was really just like, a, I can do this. Where the bone ships, I kind of have to think about all sentences. It's awful. All <laughs> sentences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best things about first person. You get to use sentence fragments, which is wonderful. Yeah. I love using them. Yeah. I, I use them anyway. Yeah. Or I found out when I was doing a reading from the button chips, I use very long sentences that, that humans can't actually do. <laughs> 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 just like reading it out, going, oh, I'm going blue. Oh. <laughs> Your poor audiobook narrator <laughs> must have been dying. From that. I don't know how he did it. Bless him, Jude. Was it? Yeah, it must be. It was just to punctuate himself because it's it's kind of. I used a lot of 17th century writing, and they just didn't care about punctuation. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Just right, put it all down there, yeah. You're still making it up at that time, weren't they? It was just like, yeah, we'll we'll put this rule in, and then it can be an actual rule. Put it in the dictionary or something. Yeah, most of our grammar rules are Victorian, aren't they? They kind of they invented it so they could make people look stupid who, who hadn't been to the right schools. It works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Dirk, grammar is just guidelines, anyway. Yeah, as long as the reader kind of like gets what's going on, I think that's the main yeah. thing. And. Like a particular writer's like, I would say Joe Abercrombie, the way sometimes he constructs things is not grammatically correct, but like it works really well for the mm. characters that he's in. So Dirk, yeah. can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on first kind of, first versus and, third uh, narration? Yeah, and mine transitions right into tense. Perfect. That, was, that went right, up, right onto it. Um, uh, I mean, for me, I think, and, and for everybody, the, uh, the important thing is to, is to find the point of view uh, that works best for the story, for the kind of story you're telling, right? Um, and you know, like um, certain stories, like like Age of Assassins, and uh, you know, uh, and a lot of urban fantasy come out of the Raymond Chandler noir crime thriller kind of thing. And RJ already mentioned that, and those are written in first person, um, and. Uh, but for the Paternus trilogy, um, the, the, the vast majority of fantasy books that we read are in, especially epic fantasy, um, are in tight third. I mean, probably, what would you guys say, 95% of the books are probably written in a very tight third. And the very tight third is really relatively new in the last 20, 30 years. Um, to become the, the mainstream perspective and point of view. And um, I started feeling hemmed in by that because you really can't get far out. It's, it's as close as you can get to first person while staying third person as you can get, right? Um, so I decided I wanted to use more of a third person omniscient, which used to be more uh, common. Um, where you can move from what one character is experiencing to the next character, to the next character. Um, and uh, in a broader sense, 
And you can even put sentence, you can even put paragraphs or statements in there that are said by the narrator, right? Which you can't really do, you can't do with first person, you can't really do with a tight third. So omniscient means it's kind of a, a God's point of view. Um, so I think you've got to be careful with it, though. I mean, you, like you, do, you yeah. do really well in Paternus, but I've I've read books that are done in sort of this yeah on on this viewpoint before that they're just confusing. Um, yeah. the, the head hopping gets so confusing, and you're no longer sure who's thinking and doing and saying what. Yep. Um, so it is. I think it's one that's pretty hard to get right, to be honest. It's very, it's very difficult. It's it's not quite as hard as second person, but that's why second person is so very rarely used mm. very very rarely used and i can't even really explain it very well it's like it's told by the sidekick about the main character mm. um and jemison does it um sherlock holmes sherlock holmes yeah, yeah. the sherlock um very uh, recently uh tamsin Muir in uh harrow the ninth that's uh told mostly in second person as well yeah is it really um is Gideon the Ninth also? No, Gideon the Ninth is, oh, I'm trying to remember. I think Gideon's in first person. So they shift? So she shifts from one book to the next? Tamsin? Yep. Hmm. Oh, wow. Confusing as hell, but really good. <laughs> I will also you, say... Um, that's also very rare to shift the, the type of perspective in a series. But that's pretty, that's pretty cool. The other I need place... to read more of that. Yeah, the other place where you see um, the second person crop up a bit more is also in like particular choose your own adventure stories. Um, like at the moment, I'm writing for an interactive fiction company and like they want it in kind of the, you are doing this, you are doing that. What will you do next? Because it is supposed to be, you know, the person who is experiencing the story saying what's about, what it's about. Um, but we should get to our featured book for this episode, which is by our very special guest, RJ Barker. RJ, do you want to tell us about the Bone Chips? Yeah, it's, um, it's, I'm not going to say naval, it's a fantasy set in a world that's mostly water and they, they um, build the ships out of the bones of dragons. So of course these dragons are absolutely massive um, and it's a matriarchy, um, not a very nice matriarchy because um, that, in fact, it's awful. They sacrifice the firstborn children and they're, they're just deeply unpleasant. Um, and it's the story of Joran Twiner, who is the ship wife or captain of one of these ships. And he's terrible, and he's a bit of a xenophobic sad sack trying to drink himself to death when we meet him. And he meets this woman called Lucky Maeus, who is the best shipwife in their army. And for some reason, she has been condemned to the ship of the condemned that he is on, but he doesn't know why. And she just takes this command from him, and they go on an adventure. Um, and it's in a pretty, pretty unique word, world. I'm always a bit worried about saying that. It is its own thing, uh, and I, I'm so grateful that Orbit let me do it because it, it's properly loopy. <laughs> but but I, I love it. It's it's a trip. Master and Commander versus Godzilla is how I sold it. Oh, nice! <laughs> and that's awesome. interesting. Yeah, fantastic. That's under a minute. Yeah, but that, there oh, it is the bone ships, and the next one, Call of the Bone Ships, is out in November, and they're all written, um, so they're they're definitely coming. What was the name um, of the excellent. next one, sorry? Call of the Bone Ships. Oh, Call of the Bone Ships. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So that's out right now. I will link to that in the show notes, um, yeah. as always. So we have about five minutes or so before we do have to oh. wrap up this recording. Um, Robin Hobbs said it was brilliant. 
Oh, there we go. <laughs> Just sliding. So I'm never writing anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you've reached the pinnacle. You're, yeah, you're there. That is a pretty cool cover blurb to have. So nice work. Um, maybe, sweet. Maybe so not- let me help transition to tense because we don't have that much time left. RJ, one thing I found fascinating and one of the reasons we wanted to do this with you on the episode was um, in Age of Assassins, you write that in past tense, but when you go into a fight scene or an action sequence, you shift to present tense. And I found that fascinating. Yeah, my copy editors wouldn't agree with you. But, no, no, they, <laughs> they hated it. They, they hate that kind of thing. And yeah. uh, I just wanted to hear more of your, why you wanted to do that and how you fought to keep it. I, I think at some point in my head, I've read something in present tense that has made me associate it with a, an altered state of mind, which is why I tend hmm. to bounce off books written in, in third person present tense. I think I find it, I, I love Tudor history and I can't read Wolf Hall. I just find it impenetrable. I can't get into it. Though um, uh, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. I could read that, but I think that book is written like a long dream sequence. It's a, an, an odd thing. But um, I, I wanted to create for the reader a feeling that something changed during those action sequences. And if you've not read the books, it's a bit spoilery, but um, basically it's to do with magic whenever Girton is somehow attached to or using magic, it goes into present tense. Um, and a lot of readers won't, won't realise that because it's a sort of technically right thing, really. Is they, they will just have this feeling of something changed and it might be very subtle. Um, and some people will hate it and they, they tell me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was done specifically for that reason. I wanted to create a change of how how the reader was reading at that point and then come out of it again. Um, and I do it in the bone ships as well. There's a point oh, in the bone ships. Sorry? You yeah, did. that's uh, all. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, this is very spoilery. There's a big battle at a point in the bone ships where they're just sort of completely taken out. Um, and I just wanted this sort of feeling of them being stunned. So it changes into present tense for that sort of sequence of the aftermath. And it's really deliberate and I really like it. Uh, and that's, I think you can use tense to affect the reader in that way. And it's just sort of quite an interesting thing to do. I think the, the way you did it in, in the Wounded Kingdom uh, trilogy, at least, which I haven't read, um, it, it really, increases the urgency i felt of mm. of the sort of like of the narrative it really helped to sort of suck you in and start moving things along at a much faster pace whenever whenever he started whenever it went into sort of curtains uh you know you know sort of like present mm. tense of that um yeah present tense yeah. is awesome for uh, for action scenes uh, i ended up i wrote my very first book in present tense and then the mm. editors made me rewrite it in past tense and the action scenes lost a good chunk of their urgency when it mm-hmm. when it moved to uh past tense it was the uh, that was a eh. i didn't have the uh the gall to uh keep the combat scenes in first per, uh present tense so i i just did as i was told <laughs> i i think that's one of the great advantages in the fact that i i never went to school and i've never done any form of read any books about writing or 
or um, been on any courses that I'm completely ignorant um, of what isn't isn't correct. So I'll just kind of go, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll do that. Well, proper. Worked for William Blake, yeah. so nice work. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, and just because I'm a professional writer, people presume that I'm doing it because I know what I'm doing. And I'm not doing it because I like the sound of it. That's all it is. It looks like we're, we're, we're going to learn pretty quickly from, from these series of podcasts that none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. I think that's the big thing. It takes you about 30 years to realise that. And then suddenly you think, wait, everybody's a complete chancer. Except for my editor. I just add that one. <laughs> just in case they're listening. Um, yeah, so we do have to wrap this one up, but this is a really good segue because next week's episode will also have RJ Barker on and we will be talking mm -hmm. about fight scenes. So yeah. uh, on that note, we will be signing off with this episode. Uh, thank you everyone for listening or watching. If you had any comments for this, uh, you can either leave them below um, if you're watching on YouTube or you can tweet us if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we will include everyone's uh, Twitter handles in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Wizards, Warriors and Words. We hope you learned something useful. We love hearing from our listeners. Our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, which you can also find in the show notes. I personally read and respond to every email. So feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening. Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.